Hello and welcome back to The Chronic Revolution. Today's episode is actually going to be an interview with a fellow podcaster here and I am really, really excited to interview her and to talk about the topic we are talking about today. And as you can tell, it is solely me, Haley. My mom, Carrie, is the other half of this podcast, but she has air and she has to run in a little bit. So she's not going to be in this episode, but we're back. The podcast is back ever after an unintended, unintended hiatus. Life in school just got really crazy for us all. I mean, my mom has three kids in school, so it's a lot. And I, I think I said this, but today's episode is going to be an interview. And I am going to be interviewing Katie from Jesus Saves Ministry or her other podcast, Katie's Christian Chat. And we're very excited for this episode because I'm really excited about this topic we're going to be talking about. So it's going to be really fun to hear like both of our sides on these same questions. So keep listening and you'll start this podcast episode officially off. Hi everyone, I'm Katie. I just turned 21 on Tuesday. I am a, I host Jesus Saves Ministry and Katie's Christian Chat, and I'm a mental illness and chronic illness warrior, so that's just some about me. Awesome. Um, we're kind of diving right in, so I came up with a few questions that I feel like you could speak on and I can maybe add on as well if I felt the need to. Um, but I know we were chatting before we started recording this or like before today, about self-advocacy and kind of the role God plays in that. And so I mm-hmm. was, my first question is, do you do you remember a certain point that you realized how important it was to be your own self-advocate going through the diagnosis journey mentally or physically? Absolutely. So when I was diagnosed with, uh, when I was 13, I was diagnosed with depression and anxiety. Mm-hmm. And then when I was 18 at bipolar type one, and then 19 at fibromyalgia, and then now 21 with rheumatoid arthritis, I really learned, like, when I was 13, I just went into the mental hospital for the first time. And when I came out, I realized, holy crap, I got to, I got to want to get better if I'm going to get better. So that's kind of where I started to seek the doctor, seek the therapist. And it was just a very, I came to a point like for very many years from 13 up until I was 16, I kind of just let, let things go. Like if I'm going to get better, I will. If I won't, I won't. Well, once I was 16, I really had a turning point. It was kind of like a, like you could say, a oh my gosh moment, like a dun dun, here is what you need to do. Mm -hmm. It was like, if I'm ever going to get better, I got to want to get better. And that's when the hard work truly starts. And so like you can easily just give up, you know, but it takes, it's hard work to really work for it every single day, choosing to get better, choosing recovery. So that was kind of when I was 16, I really realized, oh, I need to get better if I'm going to make it through this because mental illnesses in itself is hard, very hard. And then it really helped me when I was 19, like something's wrong with my body. This isn't normal. And that also very much helped me 
into my fibromyalgia diagnosis, but it was really when I was 16 when I learned, okay, it's time to get better. It's time to pull up my good big girl panties and start <laughs> doing this the right way or I'm just going to be miserable. I can completely feel that because for me, my turning now, I've been sick and throughout my entire life on and off, but it was about probably when I was 14 or 15, that was kind of my turning point where I'm like, doctors realistically can only do so much, the ones that you have, and you need to push and push and push. And sometimes you have to push the boundaries as well to get your body to a better place. But it's, it's hard being a self-advocate, especially just with chronic illness or mental illness, because I have anxiety as well. And I have dealt with depression. So it's, it's a big roller coaster of a journey. Yeah, it is. It really is. And I had been in the hospital so many times, um, four times with mental hospitals. And I mean, I could talk for days about about them, but it, it took me deciding, okay, I am not going to die. I'm going to live. And it was a self-choice because the doctors can only do so much. They can't make you want to get better. Right. You have to make that self-decision. Okay, I'm going to get better. So that's what it really took me kind of almost growing up, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm not a little kid anymore. I need to make decisions for myself. Yeah, that was kind of where I was as well, where my I was at the age where I could where my parents would most often give me the choices to try new medications or this or that. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of pushed me to be my self-advocate and also just realizing that. It's, they can't make, do everything for yeah, you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That I totally relate. That's where I had to come. And then when I tried every medicine, when I was about 19, I had to do ECT treatments, which is where they literally go in and shock your brain. Oh, wow. After, it was, yeah, it was kind of scary to say the least. And it was very expensive. But I had to make a decision, you know, I want to do this so I can get better. And it took me wanting to better myself for me to get better, if that makes sense. Right. No, that makes complete and total sense. Right. A hundred percent. So I feel like this is such a silly but classic question. Whenever, Whenever I talk with others with chronic illness, this is kind of just like the question we always ask each other just because it's more than likely is, have you ever had any doctors telling you that it's all in your head or you're crazy? Oh, or- yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I had, this is kind of funny now, but back then I was so upset. So I had to get my gallbladder removed and I was having a lot of stomach problems. Mm-hmm. And the doctor literally said, like, my gallbladder was functioning less than 1%. Okay. And so he had all the test results and he said, it's just your head. I mean, it's because you're bipolar. And I'm like, are you oh my gosh. kidding me? Are you seriously going with that right now? And he's like, oh, yeah. And oh, I was so upset. And then my mom was so mad. So then we went to another doctor. He's like, yeah, your gallbladder is like not even doing anything right now. Let's take it out. So I've definitely had a handful of doctors be like, oh, you're not bipolar. And I'm like, but my mom has it and I have to 
take certain medicines. Oh no, sweetie, you don't have it. You're just, it's just in your head. You just think you have it. And it was really hard convincing when I was 19 with fibromyalgia. They're like, you're 19. You don't have fibro. It's, I mean, you're too young. And I'm like, uh, that's when most people get diagnosed. Oh my gosh. It just, that one gallbladder doctor really made me mad. But thankfully, I have doctors now who are like, yeah, you got a problem. Let's deal with it. So thank you. That's good. But that made me mad. Oh, yeah. I have many stories. One of them, which I don't know if they necessarily were insinuating it was all in my head, but Mm -hmm. I deal with um, complex regional pain syndrome at times, and I was in a really bad painful flare. And so I went to a pain specialist to, you know, yeah. figure out, like, good techniques to help ease the pain or just how to get through it. And right. we went. And no joke, this pain specialist was like, you need to take a dance class. And you need this is word for word. You need to go take a dance class with your friends. And you need to hang out with your friends every weekend because clearly you're not getting enough attention. Oh or sorry, enough God. action. And I'm like, I have a condition, my main primary condition, mitochondrial disease. I I have exercise intolerance. So it was like so frustrating. I'm like, how stupid is that? It is. It's like, it was like, oh, you're just bipolar. It's like, yeah, I'm bipolar, but I'm not making this up. You know, it's kind of like when I first went to the doctor for fibromyalgia they tested me for the flu and I'm like are you freaking kidding me like I don't have the flu and he's like no let me just test you I'm like my mom has fibro my grandma had fibro you know Mm -hmm. yeah that was frustrating (laughs) yeah for me another one of my conditions I swear I have five million of them but um (laughs) is cyclic vomiting syndrome And that's one that I've struggled with most of my life. So that's almost always has been the reason why I've been in the hospital Mm -hmm. the majority of my life. And no, and it is what it sounds like. It's cycles of vomiting. And I will go to my local hospital every other month than like every couple of weeks because I was having these episodes so close together. And Mm -hmm. every time. They diagnosed me with the flu even though I had been in there not even, like, three weeks prior. Oh, my gosh. And we're just, like... I don't have the flu. I don't have the flu, yeah. It's just, like, I don't know. It just makes me sad that they're not open to thinking outside the box. Right. Like, some doctors are so close-minded. Like, I don't get it. I don't... I don't get it. I do not get it either. I remember the first specialist I saw for fibro, he felt so bad for me because he was just Mm. like, you're the youngest patient I've ever seen. And he said, maybe, maybe it'll all go away one day, you know, just Mm -hmm. like trying to make me feel better. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, That is frustrating when they don't believe you and you have like medical proof that you have this illness. Exactly. It's just... I don't even know. (laughs) I know. It's like, come on. I have the papers right here. He says Mm -hmm. I have this, you know. But. 
so I'm not a doctor. Yeah. So out of curiosity, how long did it take you to get diagnosed with fibromyalgia and RA? Okay, so I started having symptoms when I was 18. I didn't get my diagnosis with fibro for about a year. And then okay. it took me another year to figure out I have rheumatoid arthritis. Like I have like no doctor has like doctors have hinted at it that I have rheumatoid, mm -hmm. but then some doctors say I don't. It's kind of like a mixed opinion, but it it's taken a couple years. I can tell you that. Yeah. Yeah. For me, it took five years for me to get my initial diagnosis. Right. And then. That's frustrating. Yeah. But then. 2016 I learned I had a lot more conditions than I thought I did um mm -hmm. but at that point I had a good doctor so I wasn't going too long without being undiagnosed while like struggling but right finding a diagnosis is really really tough it is <clears throat> and I and when I was 13 and I was dealing with depression and anxiety mm -hmm. you're not allowed like in my where I live at least, you're not allowed to get an official bipolar diagnosis till you're 18. Oh, really? So, yeah, it's like they don't diagnose you with bipolar till you're officially 18. I don't know why, don't know why, but it took, I had it since I was 13, so mm -hmm. it took a while to get that official diagnosis. Wow. That was I, frustrating. I bet it's that's like, frustrating. Because they couldn't, they couldn't say I had bipolar till I was 18. I don't know why that magic number is 18. I don't know the doctors, but for <laughs> some reason, they want you to be 18 before they can officially say, here's what you have. That's so interesting. I know. They have it, to wait it, until 18, but like things like anxiety. And depression, they can yeah. easily diagnose that, but they won't yeah. let you do bipolar. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. That was fun. <laughs> So struggling through each diagnosis, whether physical or mental, did you always lean on God or was it something that you kind of built over time of that Actually, habit? this is, I was raised in church my whole life. Oh yeah, me when too. I was, when I was 13, I declared myself an atheist. Mm. Don't, it's not like I didn't believe in God. It was just, I was mad at him for everything I was going through. So no, I actually understand that. It took me till I was 16 for me to come back to God. That it took about three years. I'm an atheist. I don't love God. I'm so mad. Uh, it was just, I had a lot of anger and I had to work through a lot of anger before I could really come to God. And then ever since I was 16, I've been with God, but it, it was kind of like a, it took me getting some serious therapy to work out my anger before I could truly come back to God. And it took me going to church and joining the worship team for me to be like, okay, yeah, I'm not an atheist. It just, it took me getting over my anger before I could come to God. But ever since I was 16, I've been with God somehow. I don't know how sometimes, but I do. <laughs> <laughs> That's a powerful testimony, though. That's why I wasn't really an atheist. I said I was, but I, it wasn't like I doubted God's existence. I just didn't understand why I was going through what I was going through. 
and then it took me getting like you when you're raised in church it's like your parents take you there but you have to make that personal decision mm-hmm. and so it took me till I was old enough and in recovery from from getting out of the mental hospitals it took me sitting down with myself and being like okay I mean really do you believe in God? I'm just kind of mad. And so that's what it took for me. It took me being a little bit more mature for me to sit down and say, okay, what's really going on here? And then I can totally understand just being like, okay, yeah, this, I'm upset. I have childlike faith. And yeah, I, I get that. It just took me growing up a little bit, I honestly think. <laughs> Yeah, it's amazing how different it is for everybody and how God works in so many different ways in people's lives because it took me like really getting dangerously sick to realize that I needed to either trust God or I was like go away from God. Yeah. And so I did. And I mean, I still have doubts and I still have hard times like anybody, but but. I trust him more now. Yeah. Right. And I feel like I have that exactly, but it really took my, my suicide attempt for me to see that, wait, I do believe in God. It took like you can, my, my suicide attempt was really what led me to God because I was praying. I was in a mental hospital all alone and I was praying to God, God, please kill me. And he said, he spoke so loud and so clear. It scared the crap out of me. He said, no. And I was like, okay, why? And he's like, no. That's all he would say to me was no. But it took me realizing, well, fine, God says no, then I guess I'll get better. <laughs> That's all. I mean, that situation was awesome, but how it ended up was. Yeah, it, I don't think if I would have, I think God led to me at the exact moment, the right time. And ever since then, I mean, he changed me forever. But it took that moment for God to just really get in my heart. And I was like, okay, then let's get better. Mm. Now, like, are there any specific Bible verses you kind of meditate on through the hard times? Oh, yeah. I love Psalm 23. I know it's so cliche, but I just love it. It's one of my favorites. I also love Romans 8, 28 through 29 no, 38 through 39. And it's like, neither death nor life nor angels nor demons can separate you from the love that is in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. I love that. I love that one too. But I I know it's cliche, but I love Psalms 23. I I think it's beautiful no matter what, no matter how cliche it sounds. Yeah, one one that I've meditated on for many, many years is Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. And now I'm like, I have an understanding, but Mm -hmm. it's mine and not yours. So that verse has helped me through really tough times as well as I don't remember the reference, but it's basically says that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character. Mm-hmm. 
-hmm. I have this little book that I love and it's like the Bible verses through the darkest times. And then I'll just go in there and just read each topic. Like there's praise, endurance, joy. And I love that little book. That's so cool. It helped me write my book, which will be coming out soon. So that's exciting. Thank you. And I love that little book. It just really helps me just meditate on the word. And then, of course, I had to buy me a new Bible because my cat (laughs) threw up on my other one. (laughs) So that's funny. My cat, if you follow me on Instagram, you know I love my cats. (laughs) (laughs) I think I've seen a picture too. So if you follow me on Instagram, I have a whole thing dedicated to my cats. That's awesome. I know. I love my little fur babies. Oh, Well, thank you so much for coming on today's episode. Oh, thank you for having me. It was awesome interviewing you and just talking and relating, which I love being able to relate to people who just get it. So it was yeah. very nice to talk to you. And thank you so, so much. You are welcome. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. And people can follow you. What's your Instagram handle? My Instagram is Katie the Writer. It's C-A-T-Y the Writer. So I know there's many different uh, ways to spell Katie. So it's C-A-T-Y. <laughs> <laughs> and then like always, the Chronic Revolution handle on Instagram is Chronic Rev Official. And it's also on Facebook and on Twitter, so go check it out. And I will talk to you in my next, yeah, I'll talk to you next time.